Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Forget front row seats. We're taking you into the action on the field and in the dugout with Season 2 of Play Loud. Follow some of the league's biggest stars as we mic them up and get the cameras rolling during some of the hottest matchups of the season. Catch real-time reactions from Juan Soto and Francisco Lindor in the field and catch all the hilarious conversations between players off the field with unprecedented access. Watch episodes of Play Loud at YouTube.com slash MLB. Play Loud brings you baseball like you've never seen before. This is the Bradford Files. Hey, why do I get to go first? Because you're the battle. <laughs> the Bradford Files with Rob Bradford, the king of topics you care about and some you might not. Today, the Red Sox are out of it, so what's up for the offseason and next year? That and much more on the most exciting radio show that's not on radio, The Bradford Files. Welcome to the second edition of The Bradford Files. Kirk Minahan is alongside. He's hosting the show, evidently, as well. Congratulations. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's, it's an incredible bonus just for my really credibility as a journalist and in my paycheck. What a what a kick it's been so far. Do you feel like that you're trending toward the Andy Richter kind of profile, or are you in for the long haul? Like I would say the, I'm more the Nick Bakai, Dennis Miller's uh, co-host from the Dennis Miller Show, which lasted about six episodes. Uh, uh, that worked out really well. Yeah, I would exactly. say that maybe the guitarist on the Arsenio Hall show. <laughs> But uh, so welcome back. We want to thank David Ortiz once again for being the first guest on the first show. That was great. And as was Kirk's attempt at doing the Kevin Bacon game, which was not so great. And with the Ortiz sort of buzz that we got from the in the community, I know with the other teams, I was at Celtics camp last week. A lot of guys were talking about it. I'm wondering, who did we land for, for this week's guest hot off the Ortiz thing? Well, we're taking a break from, from guests because really – it's such a topical week in terms of looking forward to what the Red Sox are going to do this offseason. Oh, okay. I think it, it that in itself carries the show. I think it, basically any guest you had, like Shaq wanted to come on, but it just dilutes it. So I should I have the Shaq, Pierce, uh, you know, Allen, Garnett interview. We're, we're not running that. That's next week. Okay. Anyway, let's get right into it. We're going to be talking about the Red Sox offseason. Didn't make the playoffs this year. I think they probably would have made the playoffs if they stayed remotely healthy. You might disagree. Do you disagree? America or me? Oh, well, you're part of America. I try to be. Um, you know, I just don't know. You know, I know you like that take, but it's it's difficult to it's difficult to project what what could happen with injuries. Um, so, geez. wow. To me, the rotation stayed healthy pretty much generally for a great majority of the year, and if, I think. It's more the case if Beckett and Lackey had pitched like wait, expected. Wait, 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 wait. I know Beckett missed time. I know Beckett missed time. Let's do the golf cart. 
Boop, boop, boop. I, know that, I mean, come on. I know the rotation stayed healthy. Well, you, did, you had you had two fifths of it basically missing, like a no, two thirds of the time, season. No, how much time did Buckholtz miss? Yes, that's one. How much time did he miss? He didn't miss hardly anything. Okay, we Matsuzaka. He missed some. Matsuzaka missed quite a bit. All right, listen. If <laughs> Beckett, if, 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 all right, if Lackey if Lackey had pitched like we expected Lackey to yes. pitch, and when Beckett was there, if he had pitched like you expected Beckett to pitch, yes, I think this team would have made the playoffs. And to me, that's a that's a bigger factor this year than the injuries. Okay, now if if Pedroia doesn't follow the ball off his foot, if Euclid doesn't hurt his hand, if if Victor Martinez doesn't hurt, get hurt, even with Ellsbury hurt, I think they they still probably make the playoffs. Well, can I quote Tony Allen? On this, well, I mean, if the queen didn't have nuts, she'd be a king. I mean, what do you what do you want me to do? You know, he said that to me in the finals last year on the press conference. I think he said that. I wasn't sure, but but really, you know, how about the, the Yankees not having the injuries this year? Where can I buy the collective works and quotes of Tony Allen? My book's coming out next year with him. I was trying to land that last year. Andy Pettit was – you can go over the Yankees' injuries. Nick Johnson missed the entire year. Andy Pettit was hurt. But listen, that's that's a serious I, I understand. I'm, I'm not making excuses for them. Yes, I'm, ju- I'm just saying that I think that the lineup on its own, if, if it was constructed in a way that it would have been good enough to make the playoffs. Because that was that was a big doubt going into this year. Was the lineup good enough? We know – did you know, by the way, my, my – hard target research that I was doing at 2 o'clock in the morning last night. That's what I call it. The, <laughs> the, that when Kevin, since Kevin Euclid went out of the lineup, which was August 2nd, uh-huh. from that to the end of the year, the Red Sox were actually third in the majors in OPS. I did not know that. Who knows? Let's type info you can only get here. Anyways. So let's break it down. So we're going to go through uh, basically all the hot-button topics in terms of the offseason, what the Red Sox might do regarding free agents, regarding fixing problems on the team, and we're going to start with Adrian Beltre. Now, Kirk, what was your take on Adrian Beltre? Because I certainly know exactly how I feel regarding Adrian Beltre's future because he told me exactly what he's going to do. Well, so, so I just want to hear how far well, off you are. <laughs> as important as my take would be then, maybe we should get to that. But no, I, no, no. I just want you to dig yourself a hole. <laughs> I was wrong about Beltre. I really thought he was going to have a terrible year with the Red Sox. Obviously, he was fantastic. I'm sure he won't be back next year. But And I got sort of sold during the course of the season. Were I the Red Sox, I would make him a legitimate offer to try and bring him back. I feel like he's earned that. I don't think he's just a one-year guy. He may not be what he was this year, but you know he's going to play hard for you. He seems to like it here from the Red Sox. I I really try and sign this guy. All right. I agree with everything you said, almost. Thanks. And I think he does like it here. But I don't think it's the kind of, hey, you know what? I'll take less money to play here type of deal. He's a West Coast guy in terms of where he lives. He, When I talked to him in Chicago, he had said he would made a point that this was a really tough year in dealing with being away from my family. And he tried to come back around to, hey, you know, wherever I sign my next contract, my family would be around much more. But the fact that he came out and said, hey, I live on the West Coast and I really missed my family, I think says something. And I agree. I I grew a new appreciation for Adrian Beltre and the way he played, everything, the way obviously the way he produced. But would you be surprised at all if when you start hearing what Scott Boris is looking for, if it's not the biggest number in terms of what a, a free agent to be is asking, bigger than Carl Crawford, bigger than Cliff Lee, I almost guarantee that Adrian Beltre might be the biggest number. 
Now, Cliff Lee will have you, – oh, you mean in terms of what Boris wants? Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, this, yeah. no, I, I don't think that Adrian Beltre will get what these other guys are getting, but we've already hearing Kyle Crawford seven years, $18 million a year, and uh, will you be surprised if you, you hear out of the gate that's what they're asking, the, the delusional world of uh, that's Scott That's going to be Boris? the M.O. with Boris, yeah. I just, you know, I'm trying – I've been trying to figure out what a legitimate competitive offer – you know, the Red Sox or other teams in the past have made offers where it's sort of competitive, but just enough so they don't really have to enter the fray. I think they really would want to get into this one. And I wonder what, what in reality, what years and numbers it would take. Would it be sort of a uh, like a, a 5 times 14? I've always wanted to do that, but I love when when, when pe- baseball people, this is a new thing for writers, they say whatever it is times the number. 5 yeah. times 14? Yeah, you just can't say $14 million a year no, for you can't 5 years. No, that's like on the inside. No, it's, like, it's, like, it's like saying a guy's out with a thigh. Yeah, well, obviously you aren't familiar with the AAVs, <laughs> the, the annual, value, annual values. So it's, you know, I think that, it, I, yes, he, the Red Sox should probably pay that, in the perfect world, but there's going to be a com- competition out there. Detroit, uh, Anaheim, there both seems to be fits there. And if you are the Red Sox and you go down that road and you wanted to allocate that much money, is he the type of guy who say, you know what, this is the guy that we're going to spend all our money on or the a, gr- a vast majority of our money on? Is he worth that? Are you, are you ready to go after Adrian Beltre, put all, most of your eggs in that basket with the understanding that, you probably aren't going to be going after these other guys. So if, so if Beltre signs with Detroit in a somewhere reasonable sort of range as to where the Red Sox offered him, he's a fraud, right? Where did that come from? Well, he didn't go to the West Coast? What are you talking about? So if he, I'm saying if he signs with the same amount of money as Detroit, he did with the Red Sox. This year doesn't mean anything, all the good stuff he said. He didn't care. He just wanted to, he just wanted to go. All the good stuff he said. Yeah, he liked Boston. He likes this. It just turns out, you know. <laughs> if he goes if he goes to Detroit for $5 million more totally than he does for the Red Sox, he what? just went for the money. He's a fraud. This, this is coming off the Bill Walsh script. I don't even know what you're talking <laughs> what about. That, what does that mean? <laughs> it's like you, me, you, the, yeah, I, you, you've scripted I, your I, argument. I scripted it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter that they're putting 11 in the box right out of the gate. <laughs> You're still we're, you're we're, still we're, running we're the running fullback the right up the middle. Sorry, we're doing it. <laughs> Come on, it, it, you keep coming back to Adrian Beltre saying how much you want to be here. But if you listen closely, I know you were in the clubhouse a ton this year. I was there. <laughs> well, the, the thing is, if you line up what Adrian Beltre said and what Victor Martinez said, it's to me it's clear that if you're going to take one of these guys and say you know he really wants to come back here he might take slightly less money to come back it's Victor Martinez it's not Adrian Beltre do you think the Red Sox think they're going to get Beltre or do you, you know do they just know it's not going to happen no i think that i think that they probably think there's going to be a, a decent chance and i think the reason is because you can see where the market might get a little tricky for Beltre in other words say Anaheim says, okay, you know what, we want to prioritize signing Carl Crawford, and they do that. There's one out the window, because I don't think they're going to go down the road with both of them. And then uh, Detroit, same deal. If they said, we're going we're to allocate more of our money to, to something else. And all of a sudden, Adrian Beltre sitting there, and there's not a lot of teams with a lot of money who can sign him. That's where I think the Red Sox might have an advantage, because we know this, the Yankees aren't getting involved. Right. Well, I've seen the headline. I've already seen it. Oh, that's nice. Beltre Angels agree five years, eighty million. Done. Okay, done. That's my prediction. And do you think that's worth it for the for the Angels? Yeah, for any team that spends five years, eighty million. Five years for. I'm sorry, I, I agree. I, I like Adrian Beltre a lot, 
But I've said this before. If you're lining up who I would give the contract to, I would still give it to Victor Martinez. Because I, I, I But the Red Sox can sign Victor Martinez and Adrian Beltre, though. They can. Sure, yeah. They, they no, can. Absolutely. So it's not No, and I think they'll try to do that, but it just, the Adrian Beltre, for all the good that he does and the way he plays, it's almost a detriment when you're talking about a long-term deal. You're talking about five years for Adrian Beltre, the way he plays. It's admirable that he can play through a hamstring injury because I couldn't play through my eight hamstring injuries when running down to first base at Memorial Field in Essex, Massachusetts. It's true. Although you couldn't really tell if I was running anyway. <laughs> but still, the the fact is is that a guy who plays that way, who is as tough as he is and and plays through a lot, of that catches up to you. You're 31 years old. I'm not saying. I, I'm I can not tell saying, you, I'm getting to rethink the whole Adrian not, Beltre thing. I'm not saying five years may or may not make sense. I'm just saying that's the reality. I think. Well, some, I, I think you. you're going to get into no, no. In the perfect world, when you sign a guy like Beltre, to that kind of contract, the last year of that contract, you're basically punting. You're saying we're giving him four years, and this fifth year is just to make sure we get him. So I say five years, eighty million, Anaheim Red Sox make it make decent offer. They get in the fight, and they're out. Uh yeah, I would. I would agree with that. I do think that that Beltre. I want to say Detroit. I just don't think that. I think they'll use Detroit to to drive up the price. Certainly. Do you think Beltre would be concerned about looking like a fraud if he signed with the Tigers? Do you think that's part of his uh, pro, the Kirk Minahan school? Do you think that's going to affect? He I don't really get the, the fraud. What? No. What I was trying to the whole, let's let's, move on. Let's it's move not on. like let's he said I I want to play on the West Coast and be close to my family, uh, but he. I think that that's a very real. Part of the equation for Adrian Beltre, I, I think that. But if if another team offers him more money, it, bet more years, I think it comes back to exactly what I was saying. That this isn't a guy who said, oh, "I love playing here," or "I love playing there." He knows that this is his last big contract, and it's not a it's not a case of, "Oh, well, I don't want to go to a park because I have to set myself up for the next contract." Well, no, <laughs> this is it. That you're going to get another contract, probably, but not this type of contract. Anyway, let's move on. Victor Martinez. Victor, Mar- what I I've said all along. I said Victor Martinez is a guy I would prioritize. Now, obviously, it's, it's going to take more than two years, and I personally would not have a problem giving him three, maybe even four. And the reason is, is because you're talking about a guy who, who in my mind, can catch a li- enough where he can catch for one or two years. And then during those one or two years, you can try to find who you're going to have as your everyday catch. Maybe it's Saltalamakia. Maybe it's someone else. But right now, they don't have that guy. And and we can't forget that this is a middle-of-the-order bat on a team that needs middle-of-the-order bats. So I think that he's actually a very good fit because if – if Ortiz leaves after after next year or after a couple of years, if he signs a multi-year deal, then that's the DH because Victor Martinez has no say in it. He's signed the contract. It's not like he's got to say, hey, you know what? I'm not going to sign that contract if you're dh He's already locked up. I think it's a good fit. There I, you go. I totally agree. That's that's I agree with you. That's a guy I would go after. Not only that, I think when he does eventually, if it's four years and you shift him over to, to first base or DH those last couple of years, sure, for four, $13, $14 million a year, he may not give you that level of production for a DH, but you know he's going to be pretty good. And as opposed to just not having a DH or bringing in some guy, taking a shot on some guy for 8 or $9 million who might flop, at least you know you're going to have guaranteed production. Maybe even if it's only the 9 or $10 million level, it's going to exist as something, one less thing you don't have to worry about. Yeah, I, I almost, I know why they'd be sheepish about the years, 
But I just think that he's a pure enough hitter, even though he's struggled from the left side, that he's going to produce, bottom line. And is this the time of the show where I give my my dream sequence in terms of uh, what the Red Sox should do? Sure. Yes. All right. Let's lock it in. Wayne's World. Wayne's (laughs) World. Um, Yeah, I would sign Victor Martinez. I would go hard after Carl Crawford. Do whatever you can to get him, and we can talk about the merits of Carl Crawford in a bit. And I would, if you have those two guys in your lineup, I wouldn't have any problem with them saying, hey, you know what, Jed Lowry, you're our third baseman, with some sort of backup plan, wherever that might be. But if you if they came back with that construct of the team, I have no problem with that. No, I would agree. I, I, I Wow, I, you're agreeing I, with me left and right. I hate, to, I hate to agree with you so much, but it's true, I think. That's certainly a, a scenario that I think would work out, and I, I kind of like what Lowry brings to the table. You brought up off the air. You brought up uh, <laughs> the uh, the Bill Miller comparison, and I, there's something to that. Well, I'm not I'm not even want to compare them right to as as players or people or the way they play or anything like that. But it's just kind of that level of third baseman because if Terry Francona said this the other day in one of his press conferences, he said actually the positions that Lowry has played this year. He probably played the best at third base, and he then he referenced how sometimes you want a little bit more punch at that position. But I'll go back. That's where I get Bill Miller in the argument. They won with Bill Miller, and I think the one thing that they show this year is that they don't have to. They don't have to be this middle of the order powerhouse to hit a lot of home runs and have a lot of power and have their OPS up and everything like that. That. The, the the balance throughout the lineup, I think that's one thing that did kind of show that maybe they were on to something. Now, who who are we talking about? Who's going to be in the Victor Martinez Derby here? Who are you hearing? Oh, <laughs> well, Kirk. <laughs> the uh, No, I mean, you just hear the Tampa Bays. You hear uh, Colorado's. Um, Not the Yankees? Yeah, you could be the Yankees. Well, Posada is older, you know. He can, he can DH for you too, Martinez. Yeah, well, the problem is, is that any DH that the Yankees have to go after, and I know that we talked about this with Ortiz about the possibility of being a fit. And the one thing we didn't take into consideration is that almost their DH position almost has to be sort of fluid because, yeah, because all those guys are getting older. You almost have to play. You're going to have to play them there at least on occasion. So. I don't know. I mean, I guess, yes, maybe, but I still see other fits. Because I think a lot of teams view Victor Martinez as the next level of free agent. They don't view him as the Beltre. They don't view him as the Crawford, the Worth, the Lee. That they say, hey, you know what? We can make a splash, and this guy can be, can be productive for our team, and we won't have to go to the $15 million a year level. So what's it going to take? I mean, you he- you hear – the the offer that the Red Sox had made, whether it's we know it's two years, but then you hear it was twenty two million. Uh, maybe there was an option involved. It, so, if if they came out and they said, "Hey, you know what? We'll give you three years at what is it? Three times eleven? Sure, yes, that's what we that's what we say. <laughs> three times eleven. Would that get it done? I think that you probably might have to amp it up a little bit, maybe to twelve. I don't know. I, I the, wasn't the argument coming in this year about. Victor Martinez on the market, all about whether he was a catcher or not. Right. Yeah, that's it. That was it. And so what What do we know now? 
do we know that he is a catcher? As yesterday in the clubhouse when when uh, he's talking about being a catcher and he's talking around it and all of a sudden Marco Scudero yells over, he's a catcher, he's a catcher, and that kind of prodded Victor Martinez to say, hey, you know what, I'm a catcher. It shows you the way he's thinking is that he certainly it wants to be a catcher. But is he one? I think, I'll say it again about the Red Sox situation, he's a good enough catcher where I would feel comfortable playing him there 100 games uh, for the next two years. You can just DH him at 40, 40 games. You, know, you can play 140, 145 games, and that's, I think, pretty good. The guy is going to hit. It's pretty good value, I think. Yeah. So which would you prioritize? Beltre versus Martinez? Yes. I just think what would I'd, you prioritize in the Red Sox offseason? Well, I think priority number one, I think, is that. I think it's Beltre or Martinez, and I think I'd put the bullpen right below that. But I think I'd make my. I think I'd go after Beltre first. I think it's just going to be a bigger market for him. It's bigger money. If you if you lose him, then you go after Martinez. I, I don't know. Isn't it weird though that Adrian Beltre, we as good a year as he had, I mean, he barely hit cleanup. He I don't think he ever hit third. If he did, it was very very few times. This isn't this isn't even like a guy they're saying. Hey, you know this is our cleanup hitter. This is our number three hitter. And for the amount of money that you're talking. It's pretty alarming, isn't it? Well, it's, but I mean, you're talking about a catcher who's getting older. It's a catcher. It's just a different business. It just is. I mean, did, what, I mean, would you wake up? Yet? Would you wake up yesterday? By the way, you just went off on a little bit. You you, you veered off on the argument that was like ten men in the box and Matt Suey up the middle. <laughs> like, I'm talking about Adrian it? Beltre. You bring up a catcher. Was it Bar Nun? Is that William Floyd, the fullback? <laughs> was that his name or no? Just because I'm wearing a neck roll <laughs> in, the, in the studio right now. Very Steve Grogan. Yeah. All right, so that leads us to I don't know really how it leads us to this the next topic, but the next topic is our a friend of the show. I mean, there's no other way to put I it. I like the way we do this, the way we introduce the next topic instead of just sorting, letting it organically happen. We should do that. We're breaking up into segments. Okay, go ahead. The friend of the show. Yeah, this is we should really say right away that it's gonna be tough for us to be impartial on this because David's a friend. He's a friend of the show. He's a supporter of the show. You know, I think that a little behind-the-scenes um, look at the show mm-hmm. and what happened since the last podcast is that David Ortiz actually called Kirk Minahan into the office, yes. into the big pappy office. Mm-hmm. And and he said, you know, I respect your opinion about my situation, but here's some points that might make you change your mind. And I said to and, him, I said, David, let's just pretend that what happened, what I said just never happened at all. Let's make sure, act like it just didn't exist and everybody would be really happy about it. And yes, I think some some sense of familiarity with that sort of situation. So we agreed to it and we kind of went on. And then after he signed a few baseballs for you. <laughs> oh, I love the guy. I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I think we should double his option for next year. Um, well, so we talked about it a little bit. He's gonna, I mean, he'll, he's going to be back next you know, year. You know, when I was in Chicago, he hit a home run. And for whatever reason... That when he hit that home run, I think it was his 32nd home run. It was like, you know, they're picking up his option. All year long, I had said, you know what, it doesn't make business sense. And I, I still. Wait a minute. Wait, wait a minute. Wait a minute. So if he had doubled down the line at that point, you would have said he's not coming back next season? <laughs> I mean, what kind what, what is that? You would jump on me if I said that. So, so, he's, so if he had popped out the shortstop, you would have said he probably won't be on the plane back to New York? I mean, what, what does that even mean? 
I don't think you understand. I can <laughs> jump on you, but you can't. You can't do the same for me because I'm wearing the leather vest in this. Are you Johnny Sylvester, the, the dying kid who Babe Ruth hit the home run for in 1926. <laughs> I mean, wait, wait, he hit that home run for you to convince you that no! he's going to be back next year. I, I had a moment. I had like you know John, Tra- John Travolta phenomenon. <laughs> Things just started getting a whole lot of clearer. That's weird. I'm giving you a shave as you said that, just like uh, Kira Sedgwick <laughs> did in that, that movie. <laughs> Uh, it, is, it is a coincidence that I just whipped off some making some wicker chairs in the back. <laughs> um, but anyway, you know what I'm saying is that yes, is that there's this there's a realization that hey, you know what, this guy has 32 home runs and he's still doing it in late September. So it, it just all I still think business wise, it might not make the most sense because of what the market's bearing. But I just think that they they need that middle of the order bat. He's proved enough to to them this year. Say, you know what, we'll do it for another year. It might be a little bit overpriced in terms of what he would get in the open market, but still, that's the thing. I mean, we're ta- if if the Red Sox brought in a, a guy like say somebody had Ortiz's numbers last year, they brought him in as a brand new guy for one year. Same thing. They probably give him eight or nine million bucks, right? So you're talking about. Th- is it really worth this? Not knowing going into an uncertain DH situation, if you if you're going to go that angle for three million bucks, I don't think so. Yeah, I think that he. I'll come back to it. He showed through since that April that he's been pretty consistent. Yes, he's had a lot of trouble with left-handers. There's no question about it. But the, he's done enough in my mind that say, you know what, this is a this is a guy who can put in the DH spot. He's going to produce for you more times than not. He's going to be able to lay down a bunt. Like he did in his last bat of the year, that was great. That was awesome. That was like when the um, incredible. It, it was actually he only did that because it was like Dick Corey with the Boston Breakers with USFL when they would have <laughs> like a, oh, they would have have a have a listener to the pregame show email email in a, or I guess not email in right. a play. No, I don't think so. <laughs> mail Dude. mail in a play and he would run it. Dear Dick, stop. This is uh, this is what Stop. exactly what happened on the Bradford files with David Ortiz's parents. Some, I think I think the <laughs> the emailer Kirk M. Sox emailed it. <laughs> they requested he bunt down the line as it last bat. Did you feel a little uncomfortable with the level of celebration from the Red Sox in the second game on Saturday night? The the, the after the walk off victory, like they just you know won Game Four of the World Series or something. Was that did you did you find that a little off at, at the time? Or? I would have found it a little off if I wasn't sleeping. <laughs> No, I, no. It's what? What? What are you supposed to do? I don't know. It's a walk off. They're chasing. It's wacky. Yeah, Eric yeah. Patterson's running the outfield like Guillermo Moto being chased by whoever he hit. Remember that? How about the nine o'clock start time? Oh, that. No, listen, the whole thing was ridiculous. Okay, all right. The That's only all... thing that wasn't ridiculous about that weekend was one thing. Oh no, it's not <laughs> <laughs> we'll miss you, Mike Law. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> Did you have any problems with that? No, I mean it was fine. It was. Um, I I just didn't know what Mike Reinhold, the assistant, the I'm sorry, the trainer did that warranted being saying thanks, Mike, on the left field wall. <laughs> you know, I just thought I I don't want to get you upset. I just I'm not sure what I, <laughs> I, I, I guess I don't I know missed... why you get me upset. Go ahead. I'm not sure what Mike. Hold Lowell... on. This is the segment talking about Mike Lowell's retirement day. <laughs> I'm just not quite sure that Mike Lowell deserved, but who am I to say? I'm not sure he deserved that sort of celebration. But I, you know what? I, I'm not. I'm not a pink hat. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, you know, one of the, one of those. I maybe he means a lot to, to, to people, and I just have why? Totally... Do you, why is it that he means? Why is it that he is so beloved? 
Well, Rob, I think you would be you, since you beloved him. I think maybe no, I don't. Should... No, no, no. <laughs> I'm asking you as, well, as, my, as someone who doesn't in my know extraordinarily him, limited experience with Mike Lowell, which is what, which is a few times being in the locker room and just being around whatever. He seems like <laughs> seeing. I understand why the media, I understand why the media likes him. Not only, but it's not. I'm not. I'm, talking I'm not. About I don't, the media. I'm, not, I'm not. But he, I, but I was going to say is he comes across like a real guy, and that's not an easy thing to do in professional sports. He's played hard. He's played through injuries. He's been through a lot in his life. He's had a, you know, it's a great story. Somebody should write about it. And I think, you know, this year, whether, I don't know what the reality of the situation is, it certainly was portrayed as he was pretty comfortable with a guy who sort of has not, who sort of had to take a step back in the day-to-day life of the Red Sox. I don't know if that's true or not, but that certainly seems to be, certainly seems to be the case. It's just, to me, it's just amazing that, yeah, you know, I know Mike Lowell, and he's a good guy. And there's, you know, there's a lot of good guys. But when he retired, or when they had the day for him, how many people just said, "This is the guy I want to emulate." This is it. Just for a guy who had a decent career, it was just amazing how many people just kind of came and were so over the top in their praise for him. It just was. It was kind of eye opening. Clearly, they have all paid twenty four ninety five. Uh, to Amazon and uh, gotten their Spanish paperback versions. But, hey, hey, listen, I mean, it was good to see. It was good to see him get the recognition. It was nice of the Red Sox to do it. I thought they did a pretty good job. He got the watch. He got the stone crabs. He got the tax-deductible donation to his uh, uh, his foundation, um, even though Mickey Henderson got a convertible <laughs> and he didn't even retire. So, um, yeah. so Looking good. forward to having him on here as a future guest. I'm oh, sure Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you, Mike. Yes. So well, we kind of went through the went by the Ortiz, but I think we both agree on the Ortiz. But well, what do you think? So you think they'll just flat pick up the option? There'll be no, nothing. Hold on. Else. Hold on. We are now going back to the David <laughs> well, Ortiz no, segment. Thing. Do you think they're going to pick up the option just as is? And nothing else is going to be done. It'll be. No, I, we all know that David Ortiz in David Ortiz's perfect world, he does not want them to pick up the option. Right. This is not any secret at all. So let's do the flat. Give me what's the headline going to be. The Red Sox pick up Ortiz's option, and then the then I think that when you get to the bench interview at Fort Myers at the Meyer League <laughs> training, you know it, it will be interesting. Yeah, and I think that it, it comes to all these guys. It's the same thing. It's no mystery. They want the security, and and I'll say exactly what I said last week. Not to, but I won't say it for the next twenty minutes. <laughs> Good. Is if you're in his position, you want the security too. I understand that, but from the Red Sox point of view, you're going to do what's best for your organization and what's best in terms of business, and and uh, and either way is not a bad move, I don't think. Because I th- I do think that if they if they didn't pick up the option, that he still they still know that he wants to be here. I mean, he has a house there, his family's here, and he's one of him and Kevin Euclid are both two guys who live in the area in the off season, so. I don't know how what you think, which I would never do if I were one of these guys. But where would you live? Like I don't know, La Jolla or I don't know, Bermuda or something. I mean, where are you going? It's, it's funny. You did you used to live in La Jolla? <laughs> well, you know the the lure of of central Massachusetts is one that just keeps you up at night. <laughs> Those ocean breezes after a while really wear you out. Uh, I remember thinking, boy, I miss McNabb's Pharmacy in downtown Townsend, and now I can go whenever I want. Wow. Moving on. Yes, yes, thank you. Next segment, Jason Veritek. Oh. Where was the Jason Veritek day? 
Is he going to have one in the future? Where's the recognition? Well, I think Joe. Oh, Kevin Cash, come on now. Veritek, give, give uh, the guy a watch. Well, really, I want to know, was that more for Jason Veritek or Kevin Cash? That's a, that's a good question. Kevin Cash actually has said that he does not know if uh, he's going to be retiring after this year. And I thought that was a fitting way for Kevin Cash to go out. Well, they like they did with Gary and Clemente, just wave the five-year period for Kevin Cash and put him right in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> Kevin Cash... All right, Veritek, Veritek. No, Kevin, I want to say this. Yeah. Kevin, in case you didn't see it, Kevin Cash ripped the the fans. Well, no, ripped the whole no. kind of yeah. Tropicana Field yeah. fan fandom vibe, whatever. I give him a lot of credit for that because so, he grew up in Tampa. Good for you, Kevin Cash, for oh, going out sure, the right Oh, sure, after foot. that, ripping that. I'm sure when he goes back to Tampa, those crazy fans will be facing assassination attempts My point exactly. He's going to have Clint Eastwood running on one side and Gary Cole on the other <laughs> in the limousine. I forget Gary Cole was in that movie. Oh, yeah, come on. Um, Go ahead. Veritek. Veritek. Your take. Well, how much money is Jason Veritek in it? What are we talking about next year? Two million bucks? A million bucks? You could get a couple million, I think, you from some team. If you're Veritek, do you go somewhere else if the Red Sox don't want you? You go somewhere? Do you go to? I think I think it I think it's be it's past that. I think he has to go. I, do the Red Sox make him an offer? That's what I'm, oh, but I'm saying. If you don't, if you're Veritek, don't you just retire? Do you go to Kansas? No, because he wants to. You go to Kansas City and catch for I, you. I have no problem. Yes, because mm-hmm. I have absolutely no problem. If a guy wants to keep playing, yeah. let him keep playing. No, I know. I'm just saying. I don't know. Yeah. That was good. I, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess you're no, right. I, I, I'm just I, saying. <laughs> like, what's left? You know, you're living in a. You're living in like. Oh, take me inside, Mother, Rob. Take Mother, me inside. Mother, Mother Hubbard's treehouse. That's, well, what is that? I understand it's a what fairy that means. Tale. I understand what that means. But yeah. what, is that? what does that mean? As as someone who's frequented Storyland up yeah. in New Hampshire <laughs> many times, Sponsor. you know exactly what that means. Let's thank the folks at Storyland. If you want to play, you, can, you should be able to keep on playing. Absolutely right. Even if it's like in double A somewhere. Who You're cares? Right. You should be like Shoeless Joe Jackson. You're right. Sliding in the third and some single A games. <laughs> You're right. Perfect. Storm. Wonderful. One, yeah. <laughs> yes, he should join them. He, he should be playing somewhere with ads all over his uniform <laughs> yes. if he wants to. The Red Sox, I don't, you know, I don't think the Red Sox are going to make him an offer, though. I would not be surprised if they did not make him an offer. Because if they make him an offer, he's going to take it. And they they don't want him back. I, I don't think. I mean, you would think, presuming that they I, – I and I don't think the Martinez situation really plays into it much at all, does it? No, I mean, I think there's other guys out there too. It's there's You can go after like a John Buck or – Pazinski or – Yeah, but Pazinski's the type of guy where you might have to give the years to that you don't feel comfortable with. And if you, if you give too many years to a guy that – but maybe, hey, you know what? Maybe he's the type of guy also that – you're keeping him around, and and while you're integrating, finding your other catcher, the difference between him and Victor Martinez is that he's not playing any other position. So if he's not playing, if all of a sudden Salto Macchia steps up and becomes your guy, all of a sudden you're stuck with an everyday catcher not playing every day. Right. And I would say the thing about Veritek is it's not – it's just it, – the other thing is, though, it's not the end of the world. If the Red Sox give him a million bucks for a year, is it really the end of the world? He plays 30 games a year if that's what he wants to do. What, the end of the world if he just, signs here? Yeah, I mean, is it really that big a deal? No, if you don't have another option. No, he, and he was, in, in his defense, he was decent. When he played, he was better than he was last year. Problem is, he got hurt. So a lot of people were saying, oh, well, you know what? This He's showing that he would actually be a good backup catcher for some team. And I'm sure that's what Scott Boris will be saying 
a ton, a ton of times this offseason. Look what he did in a backup role, although um, I think he wants to start. I don't know. It's it's for, He's not going to start here, but there is a slim possibility that he could pro- he might be able to start somewhere in the major oh, leagues. Sure, there's lots of lousy teams. He could go somewhere and start. Yeah, because I mean, catching, the catching position is... My headline, Baratech <sighs> Socks Part Ways. I like this. That's good. Show, good show prep. <laughs> Out of nowhere, the headline segment. If we could only simulcast this podcast. If we could only simulcast this podcast. You gave me no, you, you give me nothing. You see, Jason Veritek, when you when you make your way down there to Florida next February, is Jason Veritek going to be part of the Red Sox? He can be no, somewhere else. I don't. I, I would. Not, I think not. Okay. Okay. Uh, next up, because that Jason Veritek segment really sucked. I didn't think so. Yeah, it did. Fine. Despite your headline, <laughs> uh, bullpen. The the Red Sox need a bullpen. Do you want me to go backwards and start with the headline, and then we'll we'll, we'll break it. No, down I or? think people it, it's become such a piece <laughs> of the fabric of the show that they actually they look for the headline at the end. You're of, right, you're at, right. at the end of no, the take. Right. Of course, you're right. Yeah. So anyway, well, I'm going to just say the idea, and I've read this in a few places and heard it on certain sports radio stations. The idea that the Red Sox are going to trade Pavel Bond is, is is ludicrous. Not that they wouldn't want to, but who's going to who's going to trade for him? No, it's not. Well, you hear it though. It, you read it, it. They might have tried trading him last year, but it's different this year. You're talking about a guy who's going to make about eleven million dollars, and is coming off an off year. And he, to be perfectly honest, he presents more value to the Red Sox than he does in a trade. And people don't want to hear that because they're still, oh, look at the off year that Papelbon had. But you have this guy on your team. You have Daniel Bard on your team. There are two elements on an entity in the roster that you desperately need to – what? Entity. Okay. You want me to spell it? I, didn't think, I thought you said something else. Go ahead. <laughs> what do you think I said? <laughs> it's fine. Entity on the roster <laughs> You're good. that you already don't have enough of, enough quality of. So, I uh, yeah, I agree. That was the thing when people were talking about that game in Toronto. Oh, should you make Bar the closer, move Pat Bond to the eighth inning? I said at the time, who cares? I mean, th- those are the only two guys you have in the bullpen. It, 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 you know, this idea that Pat Bond is a weakness. Pat Bond is not what he used to be, but he's still the second best, or worse, the second best reliever on the team. And that as a he's still a strength. In the weak position. Yeah, it, it, I've said it a million times. Bard, he he's in a good spot right now. How many times did we see it this year? You had to bring a guy in to get a strikeout in the seventh inning or the eighth inning. He's the guy that you want there. And and as much struggles that Papelbon had this year, he was good enough that you still say, you know what, he's a good closer in a town where it can be tough to be a good closer in. What if Pavelbaum blows three of his first four saves next season? <laughs> People talk about him. Okay, but he's like, he'll be the until until he leaves. I don't think the, this is Keith Folk all over. Until it. he leaves, he's the closer of the Red Sox. I, the, the the thing that's baffling is to a certain degree is is that his velocity is better than it has been the last few years. He's got a pitch that he didn't have last year in the split, and now he also feels like he has a third pitch that can be really effective, his slider, and so all of the his repertoire and his stuff he's. You say, hey, you know what? He's positioned himself pretty well for next year, as he pointed out the other day. But you still have to get results. And maybe it's just figuring out how to use all those things 
in in a gameplay. I don't know because the one thing that he hasn't been able to do is get swings and misses. Way too many foul balls. I think his problem is he's fueled on Duncan, and I'm not sure that that's the best nutritional way to go about it. I don't think Mario Rivera is fueled on Duncan. If he was paid enough money, he'd be fueled by Duncan. Is he still better than than Rivera? Why can't I be fueled by Irving Oil? By the way, how am I not fueled by Irving Oil? I don't see what the tie-in is. Because I always profess my love for Irving Oil. Go ahead. And I always go around the corner here in Brighton, stop and load up on a couple of chocolate chip cookie dough <laughs> oh, balance bars. Because oh, they're good for you, right? <laughs> if you yeah, that's if you do other things, then it's definitely part of the process, yes. <laughs> like it. By other things. Like drink Diet dry, Coke and get drink in a Diet car. Drink Diet Coke and, and get in a car and drive. Go to bed at 4 in the morning. <laughs> get up at 6.30 and hello, Toronto. <laughs> well... Okay, for those for those listeners who uh, want a little inside information on my Red Sox year, <laughs> I will be posting my fake heart attack picture uh, from from Toronto where I'm lying in the hospital. Do you have that later. up or no? Do you have a picture of that? Yeah. Who took it? I took it myself. Oh, you did. I had to tell my wife where I was. Why didn't you just tell her where you were? Because I thought that painted the picture with the <laughs> tubes going up my nose. <laughs> we can check that later on the uh, full count blog. Um, so we agree. They're not trading Papelbon. He presents a lot of value. Bard presents a lot of value. But the question is, how do you build the rest of the bullpen? And people who think that they're going to go after Soriano and pay all this money for the cost certainty and everything else, not a chance. There's no history of that with them. They're not going to do that. Well, with any team. No, I know. Right. Kyle Farnsworth. How'd that work out? Not well. Yeah, and and that was the Yankees. That's exactly what the Yankees tried to do. Am I, you, you follow the Yankees? I do. I, I uh, that is exactly what happened. I don't. In this idea, you know, you read about Kerry Wood. Kerry Wood had a good year. They're not going to pay you, the year you want. Kerry Wood was this year. You don't want him next year. You get him on the cheap. You don't get him. How many times have I told you that? Get him on the cheap. That's the old <laughs> Sam Goldwyn routine. <laughs> well, <laughs> yes. You get a dollar for mentioning Sam Goldwyn. If you didn't get James Garner's reference, I don't think you're going to get the Sam Goldwyn. <laughs> Does Sam Goldwyn wear a leather, leather vest as well? <laughs> I think he might have. But, yeah, I don't I don't think – but the thing is that they absolutely have to build a bullpen right now, and they have to sort of, sort of start where are we at the sixth inning to where we are in the eighth inning. And, I, I mean, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Well, they can do it because they did it last year. They had a good bullpen last year. You had a guy in Saito who was at the end of the bullpen, and – and they got him because he was an injury risk. It worked out. That's what they're going to have to do. You can scour the free agents available, guys coming off injuries. We mentioned it time and time again, the Tampa Bay, the Benoit situation, that they got lucky in that respect. That They had a guy who not only sucked the year before, but didn't even pitch last year because of an injury, and it worked out. So you're just going to have to keep bringing in some of those guys, maybe spend a little bit more money. And another question I have is that do they tender Okajima a contract? I think they probably do. You do? Yeah, because it's still not a ton of money. And any kind of hope that you can get, you take. The, the relief pitchers are just, it's just such a goofy thing because Okajima it is, could, it's goofy. Okajima could have a great year next year. I mean, it, it's almost as likely as it is not to happen. I mean, look at Ramon Ramirez. He was fantastic for San, for San Francisco. His ERA was, what, .7? Yeah, he's leading to the promised land. I mean, I understand going to the National League is is is, is a different animal, but still. And you look at a guy like Rich Hill, and I was talking with Alex Spear yesterday in the pregame show, and I said one of the things that was disappointing about the the last month of the season for the Red Sox was that nobody, not not a lot of guys, really stepped up and said, "Hey, you know what? 
you can really build on this. I thought Kalish did to a certain degree. Lowry certainly did. But you look at all those relievers who they were, who were running through. Nothing. Dustin Richardson didn't make any kind of mark. And, and Robert Manuel and, and a lot of these guys, Rich Hill, while he was kind of up and down, showed you that, hey, you know what, you could bring him to camp and maybe make that transition in his career where he becomes a lefty out of the bullpen. Still, that's not going to solve the overall problem. That's the equivalent of bringing in Scott Atchison and, and hitting. The fact that Scott Atchison was the third guy in this bullpen at the end of the year easily is unbelievable. Really, all year he was the third best reliever if you look at the numbers. Not even close. And he was sent down to the minors. The, the Red Sox had 17 guys who were in the minor leagues and who spent time in the minor leagues in April. That's At the end of the year, they rostered 17 of those guys. And Atchison was one of them. It's just amazing that, that this guy, nice year, nice story, he was their third guy in the bullpen. So if you're going to rely on him for next year to be that third guy, which they're not going to, obviously, it's a, like you said, it's a crapshoot. But Well, like I said, you just never – that's the thing about relief pitching. You just never know. Like I brought up Ramon Ramirez. You just don't know. And I understand – Going to the National League is sort of the equivalent of, you know, suddenly everything gets better. You look better. You yes. Better. It's almost like the, as you would say, almost like the slightly pudgy girl who goes to fat camp and all of a sudden she's kind of like Michelle Pfeiffer. No, you know, I wouldn't. I've never said that. I could have sworn you said that at one point. The world changes for her. You know what I mean? No. Things are easier. I have no idea the what you're talking about. You know what, like, fat camp, like the MTV fat camp. When it's like, is that kind of good looking girl who's, like, actually in reality kind of heavy, but she goes to fat camp and she's sort of pudgy and... Because she's sort of pudgy, she has blonde hair. She's kind of like a rock star there. Okay, I got you. That's a great reference. <laughs> I, I, it's much. It's a much better reference that you took time to explain it. Oh, forget it. Always works better. That that, that, that spot. Well, was, how many guys? That how, spot was sponsored to you by Irving Oil. <laughs> by by the Fat Camp up in uh, Summerton, New Hampshire. <laughs> Send your daughter there. Two weeks later, you come back, Michelle Pfeiffer from uh, 1986. Uh, but um. How many guys currently sort of within the Red Sox organization, minor league organization, mm-hmm. are we going to see in that, that bullpen? Well, du- I think DeBron, right. depending on if if there's a spot in the rotation, but DeBron, you know, Bowden, um, you know, those are the two guys. And that, and that's the thing that they – the reason – I talked about that bullpen in 2009. Daniel Bard was a big reason. They were able – before that, Justin Masterson was a big reason why those bullpens were be, supposed to be good. And so how do you fix a bullpen? You're able to bring guys up from your organization. And and other than Dubront this year, who got hurt, they really didn't have anybody like that. So so when you're writing that, that sort of story that everybody's going to write that one day, it's spring training. So we don't write stories that everybody else is going to write. Well, you know what I mean. Sox bullpen. You know, <laughs> what's, the, you know. what's the headline? No headline, but just what's you think, you think you're looking at no – no name of significant, no new name of significance is going to come into the mix. It's going to be sort of below the radar moves. The only the only way I can see something like a Kerry Wood happening is that if they if the the market kind of dries up because Kerry Wood, I don't know if a whole lot of teams are going to feel confident about him being their closer, paying to, for him to be the closer. So the market dries up a little bit. He wants to to have a really good year for a year. And and they get him that way. That could happen. It could happen with a couple guys. But going back to Scott Atchison real quick, I looked at his his contract. They've gotten I don't know if you say lucky or, or they've done a good job with some of these contracts. Okajima's contract obviously has been ridiculously good for the most part for them. Atchison's contract, they've got two options this year and the next year for him at, at the major league minimum. It's not like these these salaries going up. 
Right. He's making the major it's league minimum. No. <laughs> wow. It basically he just wanted to play in the yeah, major sure. leagues again. Uh, good for him. He's driving all the way back to Texas by himself. Oh, he's like, uh, let me make another movie reference. Who is he? Is he like Tom Hanks in Castaway at the end? Yes. He's, he's, as we speak, he's hitting, as he's listening to this on his WEI iPhone <laughs> app, he's, he's hitting the fork in the road. Underrated redhead at the end of that movie. Yeah, I know. There's some Google search. Yes, IMDb. Yes, yes. That's, that's an IMDb search with a, with a Google chaser right there. <laughs> that, is, that is, that is. <laughs> Which, of course, there's, it's also known as the, uh, <laughs> the Saving Private Ryan uh, granddaughter, da- yes. granddaughter, granddaughter continuum, yes. yes. <laughs> so, so as long as we get that cleared up. So bullpen, what's the headline? Guy, <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're, you're good at this. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, the headline, the headline is we we have a whole new cast of characters to do these stories about coming from all corners of the world and gets us through the first few days of spring training. And then we have no idea if it's going to work. And I think the one thing that they were reminded of this year is that you just do not want to go in the trade deadline needing, needing a late inning reliever. They, they knew that, but I think they were hoping that one of these Ramon Ramirez's man, Dil Carmen's, was going to step up, and nobody did, and they were left in a in a tricky predicament. Well, it's just, I mean, look at the Yankees. They have a $500 billion payroll, and, you know, just getting to Rivera is still – a total mystery for them. So I just think it's it's just a it's a tough beat. It is a tough beat. Um, okay, so we have one last segment. Pause for segment. Segment is Jason Worth versus Carl Crawford. Well, you, I mean, you're on the record. You want Carl Crawford? I do want Carl Crawford. Are they going to get Carl Crawford? Because do they want? He Carl took Crawford? his recruiting trip with Carell Buckhalter. <laughs> right, I didn't expect that at five o'clock in the morning. Are they going to get Carl Crawford? I don't know. The Angels are going to be tough in this. The Angels are going to be rough. I mean, I, I think that he um, – I've heard conflicting things about whether where he wants to play. I, I don't think he would mind playing for the Angels first and foremost. No, why wouldn't he? Yeah. But in regards to the Yankees, I heard some pretty definitive stuff that he might have some hesitations playing for the Yankees, and then I heard somewhere else that he might not mind it. But It's good. Thanks. Yeah. So – Notice I said definitive for the other part, so that's maybe the part I'm leaning to. Okay, um, and and I don't think the the Yankees might not be in the market for that. I mean, they're clearly going to be in the market for Cliff Lee. I heard he already has a house in New York. Yeah, that's rumor on the street. Yes. So, um, but yeah, so I, the Carl Crawford thing, and I heard Dale uh, and Holly talk about this on the air today about offering him many, 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 many years. It's more than just a speed with Kyle Crawford. He's been remarkably consistent throughout his career, and he's still under 30 years old. So Worth is over 30 years old. Yes, he's he's a good player, and he's been pretty consistent over the last few years. But to me, just Kyle Crawford adds an element to your lineup and defense and the kind of defense in the outfield that you want at that position, which I said, hey, you know what? That's the guy you go after. Would you say from a Red Sox perspective, though, that – if you look at Anaheim as the big the big gun for for Beltre and Crawford, the competition, are you looking at that you'll probably get one of the two guys? Assuming one goes to Anaheim, you'll probably get the other guy or no? Yeah, but you don't know with I guess Be- the Yankees too. with Beltre. Yeah, the Yankees yeah. could get, but with Beltre, you could get Seattle involved again. You could get Detroit involved, and 
And you think Seattle's going to give Adrian Beltre a, a, another so, eighty some, million dollar contract? So some rumblings are talking about. Not, no way is that going to happen. I don't that's, know. that's not possible. You know, some team could get involved. That's my point. Okay. San Francisco, maybe not have no. them, but no. you get the point. Teams that need a bat, yeah. need a middle of the order presence, and yeah. So I, I just think that. So you want to give Carl? You're okay with giving Carl Crawford one hundred and fifteen, one hundred and ten million bucks for six years? Seven years? Here's here's my answer to that. Answer time. The were you? I am comfortable giving Carl Crawford what they gave John Lackey. Well, yeah, but you, but you don't put it because they made a mistake with Lackey. No, they do no, that again. it has nothing to do with Lackey. I'm talking about numbers. Well, so the exact so same five, contract. Five years, or eighty-two and a half, right? And that's not going to get it done, though. Probably, right? Well, you do the math. Okay. What's the uh, What's that times? Put the times. That signal. is close. Uh, I believe close to what a seventeen times five. Is that right? You don't think they'll get it done? Maybe not. Maybe not for Kyle Crawford. I mean, everyone thinks that he's going to be the be all and end all in terms of the money in the in the free agent market. But I, I would feel comfortable. I maybe I would feel comfortable going. I just I am just having when I. When I did the story on him, I was just kind of really uh, – it was an eye-opener in terms of how consistent he has been. When David Ortiz hit that, that home run the other night, did you realize that the Red Sox were going to sign Carl Crawford? <laughs> a, lot, a lot of things became much clearer. <laughs> it was like clear mechanism. <laughs> I think I do think, though, that, and I know Crawford's OPS has been over, what, 850 or something or 800 for the last six or seven years? What's OPS? <laughs> is, is that correct or no? Is, isn't that, didn't you say that in your, write that in your column? I don't know. It may not be true, but I think, I think a lot of his production, though, it has been in large part due to his speed, though. I think that that is fair. Yeah, well, sure. It, so, I mean, when he's 36, you know, is he going to be the same offensive player he is today? Well, no. Well, I don't think – I think that he's kind of transitioning his career a little bit, if you look at the numbers – into hey you know what he can do without the speed he's he's not gonna he says i don't want to steal as many bases as i have in the past because i am tired right now my legs are are worn out and yeah good let's sign him up then his legs no no well if if you know how to it goes back to knowing how to manage your body you know that better than anybody yes i do (laughs) headline (laughs) minahan manages his body well my point is is Carl Crawford the kind of player the transitioning Carl Crawford? Is he is I think the older Carl Crawford. He's not in transition. Ago. I mean, come on, he's not. Tra- he's not like Bill Walton. He's not like he's not like uh, Frank Tanana, <laughs> going from like ninety nine to like throwing seventy nine mile an hour curveballs. It's working. <laughs> I wouldn't sign him. I would not sign him for that kind of money. So you would either. sign Worth? I wouldn't sign either. I'm not a big fan of either. Worth one is a of Boris him. guy now. That's true. I know that. I would not sign either one of them. I don't think either one. I don't think. The idea that you have to snap up a guy, a big fish, every year in the offseason, I think is a little overrated. It's not real big picture, and I think it hurt them last year with Lackey. I think they panicked. The market sort of, everybody sort of went by, and I think they grabbed Lackey late. I think they felt like they had to do something, and I think that's dangerous. So what's what's your, what do you think they should do? Oh, I don't know. You know they'll figure it out. They're smart guys. I don't know. They'll put something together. They can go to Harvard. If they get, it, <laughs> if they get beat on Beltre and they don't sign one of those outfielders, we, well, then, according but according to you, the team. So if they, all right. So if they don't sign Beltre, you sign Martinez. Mm-hmm. You can't you you can't go to war with that team next year. Yeah, you year? could. You'd be competitive. I mean, no, absolutely. I, and I agree with you. We were kidding around about it earlier, but I think this team would have competed for a playoff spot had, had they had a reasonable 
normal level of games missed and guys who are hurt. That team, basically, you're getting Euclid back next year. You're getting Pedroia back next year. I think you well, be and, it's not, and you have to bank on the fact, sorry, that Lackey and Beckett are going to be better. You know, and in terms of a complimentary part, let's not dismiss Cameron. I mean, Cameron right. hit it against lefties. Yeah, and and Ellsbury's back, too. Yeah, if if you have a problem, if you if J.D. Drew continues to have a problem, Cameron supplies some of the answer there. You know, I think that Kalish is major league ready, but you don't have to play him right now. I agree. They, they, that you can go in with a lineup that a lot of people might perceive as as not up to par because you didn't get one of the big names. You don't have to go after one of the big names. I'm just saying that of guys who are coming up, if you want to identify free agents to spend money on and say this is the be-all, end-all guy, I would have no problem with Kyle Crawford being that guy. Jason Worth, I would probably have a problem with. Right. I understand what you're saying. You're saying, say the Red Sox absolutely have to spend X amount of dollars on this free agent. I would agree with you. I would take Crawford over Worth. But I would really honestly punt on both those guys, focus on what you have, and make a run next year. I know it won't be popular in, in, in the offseason with the fans and whatever, but if you start out 16-4, and 17-8 and eight or whatever, nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to remember who you didn't sign. Yeah, they will. No, they won't. Not if you win. They're not going to care. Oh, if, if the first two-game losing streak, they'll care. How bad does Theo want to get out of that Lackey contract? If he could do it over right now, Lackey would be gone. Well, I think that right now he's overpaid. I just... It, it's it's it, when you talk about contracts like that, it's so stupid to talk about oh what a disastrous contract. You just can't do it. You can't. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing everyone when Beckett was going really bad when he came back. What a terrible terrible extension. You have four years left. It, it's like AJ Britta. Everyone was yeah, but but the thing is L- Lackey. But 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 Lackey is the Beckett thing. I agree with you because there was not a lot of first guess. The Lackey thing. There was a lot of first guessing on that. I, I know a lot of people. <clears throat> myself included, who did not like that contract. He is not worth that kind of money. He has never in the past been worth that kind of I money. I think the thing that... that they might, panicked. Well, the five, the fifth year. To give a fifth year, if if they went back in time and gave said went after Johan Santana and the sticking point was giving the fifth year or a fifth year, you would say, oh, I have no problem with that. It's Johan Santana. You do whatever you can. But I think you're right. It's John Lackey. Is, oh. is is you're giving a fifth year to John Lackey, who had been pretty consistent, and I think that it's, I think what it'll end up being with John Lackey is a lot like JD Drew in the sense that he'll be a pretty good player, but every time he hits a bad spell, it'll always come back to the contract and what he's playing. We need one last thing before we before we wrap up this episode. Wakefield, we didn't get on Wake, we didn't hit Wakefield. Oh, okay. Well, we first of all we didn't do the headline for. Oh, sorry. Sorry. What were we talking about? Oh, Crawford and Worth. What's the headline? Crawford, Crawford, Yanks agree to deal. Worth. Sorry, it doesn't fit the space. I guess. <laughs> I guess with Worth, you have to do something with the word Worth in it, right? What is it worth? You know, whatever, whoever it is. Who's going to sign if the Red Sox don't sign it? <laughs> who's going to sign? Yeah, who's going to sign with if the Red Sox don't sign? Oh, who knows? He's not going to stay in Philly, is he? Yeah, maybe. Phil's fine. Is it Jason. worth it? Yeah, exactly. For Jason? Phil's, Phil's fine. Jason I worth it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I think the Red Sox don't sign either one. And I do think they I think they wind up with, with uh, this offseason, my, my thing, they wind up with Martinez, and that's it. And I think that's okay. I really do. Uh, yeah, I don't think that'll happen, but I think there'll be some names in regards to trades or something that we aren't even talking about. Right. True. And But this is what we have to go by right now. Wakefield. Tim Wakefield's segment. What do you want to know about Tim Wakefield? 
Well, I mean, I think, first of all, it seems like he's really happy with this situation. Yeah, right? he's, he's ecstatic. <laughs> when I read in the papers this weekend and gathered, he's, he's... It was a good press conference after the game. What does he expect? Where, where does he? Who does he expect to be starting over? And does he think, if he comes back next year, does he think he's going to be... Uh, I, I'll go back to the, the thing we had with David Ortiz. I'll say, you're looking at it through your, your mind. You, you have to look at it through his mind. Well, I'm saying it. I'm trying to. If I'm Tim Wakefield, okay, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm 44. Four years old, mm-hmm. forty-five years old. If I'm back next year, if I, if I, whatever that contract is, a weird contract that they have. If he comes back next yeah, year, yeah, it is weird. It's, it's, <laughs> it's very weird. It's a two-year contract, whatever, it with is. bonuses. The endless contract that seems like he has. That's if, he if, actually doesn't have that if he contract comes back anymore. Ne- if he comes back next year, <laughs> if he comes back next year, <laughs> he can't imagine he's going to start over anybody in this rotation. You know, Reed Nichols, I think, would make a good fifth outfielder. <laughs> Doc, you living Play in Stapleton. <laughs> It it's it, I think it's it's frustrating for him because he really the record is the be all end all for him. He's never going to get that. It's what, he's thirteen shy. Fourteen, I think. Yeah. So, but still, whether he, you think he's not going to get it or not, it's the be all end all for him. So when he signs that two year deal, he's saying, "Hey, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna get a chance to do it." And so that's his frustration. Now, if you're asking me, because we're running up against the clock here. Yes, finish. But if you ask me you know, what he's going to do, he, he's going to come to camp, and he's going to see how things are transpiring. If if someone gets hurt at the beginning of the year, or if they trade someone, they slot, maybe they slot him in. But the more likely scenario is that they come in with seven stars no matter what, and, and there's probably some uncertainty, and, and Tim Wakefield's probably not happy. Any chance he shows up spring training, sort of gets a measure of the land, and just calls it a day? Yes. Okay. Good. Thank you. What's the headline? Hmm? What's the headline? No wake and field. <laughs> <laughs> Do we have time for reader emails? I don't have any reader emails. Do you have a reader email this week? I actually have a bunch of them. Oh, let's get one. Go ahead. Uh, this, <laughs> this from Eric B. in Burlington, Vermont. <laughs> really like the show, guys. Keep up the good work. Who's going to be your next guest? Well, you know, Eric B., the fact is that, we, as we said before at the beginning of the show, it's this This is too top, topical a situation where we could have a guest. So we went without a guest this week. But next week, let me tell you, mm-hmm. it's going to be a big name. I mean, we, we only really have – our track record is when we have a guest, it's only big names. Listen, I mean, you've got – the reality of it is you got Angelina Jolie right now in the green room. She's bumped because we had to talk Wakefield. She's out. So sometimes just the topic is stronger than potential guests. Angelina Jolie is bumped in the back room? Yes. Oh, actually, that's uh, Steve Diossi, oh. who's on the big show today. But <laughs> right. I don't have my glasses. There you go. All right. Well, that does it. Good job, Kirk. Thank you, Rob. I'm, I'm not necessarily telling the truth, but no, fine. isn't that what the host supposed to say at the end of the show? You can find my work at wei.com. Yes. I'm there all the time. A lot of Patriots stuff. Some Celtics stuff, too. What are you, what, are you, what was that? Well, I feel like so, I, I feel like I have to do that. So, just come get, just come come on in and take a look. Get the wires fine. Mailbag came in the hand at WEI.com. Right, super. I'll 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 let it finish on that because everyone knows where to find me. <laughs> Sleep deprived somewhere. <laughs> all right. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week. Keep your car looking its absolute best year-round with 303 Cleaners and Protectants. 
303's revolutionary graphene nanospray coating gives you professional protection in a simple, easy-to-use formula. It will keep your car's paint protected for up to 12 months and give an insane level of depth and gloss. You can also use their brand new 303 graphene detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine throughout the year. It can even be used for quick cleanups of light dust and fingerprints in between washes. For a one-two punch to keep your car licking its best, look no further than 303's line of graphene products. 303 Graphene Nano Spray Coating to protect and 303 Graphene Detailer to boost protection, slickness, and shine. Both products are available now at Advanced Auto Parts, AutoZone, and select Walmart locations. Visit 303radio.com for more information. Ever wonder what it's like to play in an MLB game? Play loud as your exclusive look into the fun of the game as we mic up the league's biggest stars and follow them with dedicated cameras both on and off the field. Watch game-time reactions to some of the biggest plays and follow your favorite players as they chat in the dugout with their teammates between innings. You never know what you're going to see or hear. It's baseball like you've never watched before. Tune in for new episodes of Play Loud only on the MLB YouTube channel. MLB YouTube channel. Over 1 million people have turned to Upstart for personal loans. Our online platform enables fast and easy access to the funds you need. Whether it's for credit card debt consolidation or to pay bills, you can check your rate in as little as five minutes without affecting your credit score. Loans start at $1,000 and go up to $50,000. And you may even get your funds in as fast as one business day. Go to upstart.com to check your rate. That's upstart.com. It's that easy. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application.